questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Almost 103 years ago, an event happened that changed the world. Upwards of 70,000 were gathered in the little village of Fatima, Portugal. They were told by an apparition that had appeared to three children, but many believed to be Mary of the Bible, that a miracle would occur. Something happened on October the 13th, 1917, and thousands of people witnessed it. It was called the Miracle of the Sun. Was it a miracle of the sun or a harbinger of deception? What did the witnesses in 1917 really see? Did psychics predict the events of Fatima? Why did the apparition only speak telepathically with the children? What happened to the original testimonies of the witnesses taken in 1917? Why was the main seer, Lucia, cloistered with a vow of silence for almost two decades? What actually appeared in the sky in 1917? Many witnesses described seeing a dull silver disk. Were there other phenomena seen that day, such as quote-unquote flying hats? We will also cover the trails of the Nephilim, and specifically, Axis Mundi. Is America's Stonehenge the center of the world? You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. The next special guest is already a friend of this program. L.A. Marzuli is an author, lecturer, and filmmaker. He has banned 12 books, including the Nephilim Trilogy, which made the CBA bestsellers list. His series, On the Trail of the Nephilim 1 and 2, uncovers startling evidence that there has been a massive cover-up of what he believes are the remains of the Nephilim, the giants mentioned in the Bible. And we have a more comprehensive bio on our website. His website is lamarzuli.net. L.A. Marzulli joins us from the Santa Monica Mountains in California. Hello, L.A., and welcome back to Veritas. How are you? I'm really great. Thanks for having me here, Mel. My pleasure, L.A., and you always bringing new stuff out. We've all heard about the Nephilim. We've heard about Fatima. But you dig deeper and deeper, and I just watched both documentaries, part and two of Fatima today. And I have to say, you are a great reporter, great investigative journalist. The people you interviewed were... A1. So why don't we begin with this? What really happened on October 13th, 1917? Well, October 13th is the last day that the so-called apparition appeared at Fatima. It, it, it goes back to the first appearance was May, but even before that, psychics through the occult technique of automatic writing published in the, in the, in the paper uh, in Portugal that something wondrous was going to happen on in May, on May 13th. And no one knew what that was, but the fact that psychics are engaged in automatic writing, and the automatic writing is was, was uh, backwards, so you, you have to read it in a mirror. So you have to hold it up and look at it and read it, read the mirror rather than the paper. So it was written right to left instead of left to right, and that's really hard to do. I've actually seen, in the film we actually show um, a photograph uh, of, of what it actually looked like. But it was signed Stella Matutina, another name for Lucifer, another name for Satan. Morning right Star. Morning Star in Italian. Yeah, the Morning Star. And that is a, a name for the dragon, um, Satan. So 
something did happen on May 13th. But again, why? Why? If, if it was from right off the bat, if it's from God, why does God need a bunch of psychics engaging in automatic writing to tell people what's going to happen? He doesn't. So strike one. So May, thir- May 13th happens, and these three shepherds are there. They're illiterate. Uh, they've never. They can't read or write. They're. They're. Lucia's ten. Uh, Francisco, her cousin, is nine, and Jacinta, who's Francisco's sister, is seven. And they see this apparition of a woman, a lady, a woman, holding some sort of a ball-like object, and she communicates with them telepathically. Strike two is this entity, whoever she was, was wearing a short skirt that fell just below the knees. Mary of the Bible would never appear this way, number one. Number two, women in 1917, you can check this out, wore dresses all the way down to their ankles and sometimes over their shoes. So the fact that this this entity appears to the children with this short dress is, whoa. But here's the deal. All that's covered up. And, you know, you you never – there's a film coming out uh, on Friday, actually. And it's – let me see. Today's date. Yeah, on Friday, the 28th, on Fatima. And I guarantee it, they will spin this thing the way they've spun it for the last 103 years, that it was Mary, the Bible, and all this other stuff. But they never deal with the facts. And the facts that we deal with in the film are taken from the handwritten documents that were written by Father Fiera at the time of the apparitions. So the first apparition, the kids see the kid, see this entity, this woman, this entity, and short skirt, that's strike two. And she's communicating with them telepathically. To me, that's strike three. Why does Mary the Bible uh, need to speak with people telepathically? Why isn't she moving her lips? Why is why is she doing this? And so the kids uh, see her, and she tells them to come back the next month. So the kids go back and tell their parents. Word gets out. Father Fierro immediately believes it's demonic. Smart man. And there's all this controversy. And this goes on from May to October. And the short story is in August, uh, when the crowds are there, the kids are in jail. And the crowds have now swelled, you know, 10,000, 20,000 people, maybe more. So they let the kids out the next month uh, on the 13th. Oh, and by the way, in, on, in August, August 13th, uh, when the children were in jail, so they didn't appear, there was all this really weird stuff going on in the sky. People saw flying hats in the sky. All sorts of really weird stuff was going on. So what are we looking at? Flying hats. What does that sound like to you? And weird, weird aerial phenomena was, was manifesting. So September, the kids are there, and the priest and the magistrate and all the, all the mucky mucks say, look, go back and talk to the entity and say, <coughs> ask for a sign. So the kids go there. The entity appears, and um, the kids say, look, we need everybody, we're in trouble, they need to see a sign. So the entity says, October 13th, there will be a sign. Word gets out, 70,000 people show up at Fatima, but no one knows what this sign's going to be. It's been raining all night, all morning, people are drenched, some of the pictures you can see a sea of umbrellas, and... Around noon, it stops raining, the clouds part, and there's the sun. All of a sudden, another cloud comes in front of the sun, and out of that cloud comes this disc-like object, which is spinning, and then falls to the ground like this, and goes back up. It does this three different times before it does a flyby like that. It does a flyby. It flies right over the head of the crowd, and then it goes back from the cloud and leaves. There's a photographer there by the name of Joshua Benolio, and he took 12 photos. I don't think there's any other cameras that were there. These are old wooden box cameras, glass plates, boom. Instead of the uh, plastic negative, it's a glass plate. It's a glass plate, whole different deal. I mean, this is like, you know, and, and I'll get into the glass plates in a little bit. So something happens at Fatima. We're not disputing that. I mean, there was something that happened. But first of all, was it Mary of the Bible? 
And in my opinion, it was not Mary the Bible. Second of all, the sun, they call it the miracle of the sun. The sun did not leave its place in the solar system and fall to Earth. Whatever happened was a local phenomenon. It was just in Fatima, Portugal. People in France saw nothing. People in England saw nothing. People in the United States saw nothing. So it was localized. So it's not the sun that fell to Earth. Something else happened. It's the and object, people, probably, the object that shined like the sun. Well, that, it, it, was, it was glinting, right. And it, and it was spinning. And some people saw what they would call a dull silver disc. What does that sound like to you and me? Well, UFO. The eyewitnesses, the eyewitnesses in 1917, UFOs and flying saucers are not part of our lexicon or anybody's no. lexicon for that, for that matter in 1917. Those, those terms will not be applied till mid-century, specifically around 47, 1950. That's when, that's when those terms, flying saucer, UFO, will really start to take, take hold. In 1917, no, no one has that verbiage. So people look up and they say, I saw a dull silver disc. And more than one person describes that, a dull silver disc. Well, what does that sound like, a dull silver disc? So... This thing buzzes the field, and uh, the people that are standing directly underneath it, when it comes over the field, very close to the people, remember, it's been raining all day. People's clothes are wet. All of a sudden, their clothes dry. The ground underneath, where the, as, as this object goes over, uh, the, 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 the clothes are dry, and the ground is dry, and this thing goes back up into the cloud, which moved in front of the sun, and just vanishes. So in all of my study, and, and we show this in the film, this was a UFO event, in my opinion. This had nothing to do with Mary or the Bible. Uh, Lucia is the only one of the three seers that make it in basically past 13. Uh, Francisco and Jacinta succumb to the Spanish flu. So they never even make it into their teenage years. They die, and now they've been canonized. It's, you know, it's, I've been there. It's really strange. Uh, and people people just venerate them because they were the seers. And, and you know, you repeat this thing often enough, and everybody believes the official story. But we, I created both films, Fatima 1, Miracle of the Sun, or Harbinger of Deception, and Fatima 2, Strange Phenomenon, uh, based on the handwritten testimonies that were actually recorded by Father Fiera in 1917. And we had access to those through the work of uh, a researcher who passed away in 2014. Her name was Fina de Armada. And Fina de Armada had access to the sanctuary at Fatima. And the sanctuary is big business. Again, I've been there twice, and it's uh, mind-boggling. That site can fit upwards of a million, a million pilgrims. Can, can spread out in front of that basilica. And, you know, the tree where the entity appeared is long gone. And now there's a little chapel that's there. And when we were there, they were parading a statue of Mary on this plastic bed of roses with four pallbearers. And the crowd just went nuts. And I looked at Peggy, my wife, and I said, we're taking Mary off the table. We're not even going to... People, and in fact, in both films... I say people have the right to believe what they want to believe. I say people, millions of pilgrims come to Fatima every year. Millions of Muslims. Mecca. Mecca, the Kaaba stone. Millions of Hindus celebrate Guru Puja. Millions of Buddhists at thousands of temples all over Asia worship Buddha. People have the right to worship and believe what they want to believe. We're not, we're not going to bag on anybody's belief system, and we don't. We don't go after the Catholic Church. We don't go after Mary. We just drill down into the handwritten documents that Fina de Ramada had access to. And what she did, uh, what she did was read these documents, but she couldn't photograph them. So she read them very quickly into a tape recorder and then went back and listened to the tapes and extrapolated all this data. And what she found was absolutely amazing. So, I mean, that's just a little bit of the backstory of, uh, of, of, you know, what happened there. We'll get deeper into this, but uh, 
I was very surprised about all the things that I did not know. This event, as you said, back then, not in our lexicon. We didn't have flying saucers or UFOs or anything. So these people were, you know, we, we've heard this from other places where they say here in, the, in Mexico, flying Mexican hats, or in that case, flying hats. But the part about the soil being completely damped and people were just soaking wet and this thing came along, everybody dried. Not only were they dry, some of them experienced some burning, correct? Oh, you muted yourself. You're muted. You're, you're, you're muted. There yeah. you go. You're I muted. Did, go ahead. I, didn't, I, I let that go. That's in the, in the second DVD, Strange Phenomena. But yes, um, look, cars exploded, wind chills, wind chills exploded, cracked into a million pieces, uh, gasoline spontaneously combusted. I mean, this is not some, some wonderful, you know, and, you, and it's coming out Friday. I'm going to see it. I have to see it. Hey, by the way, can you mute your phone so that you don't get the WhatsApp notifications? Yeah, Thanks. Thank you. I just had my wife tell them not to, Thanks. not to text anymore. Yeah, it's, I apologize for that. So the cars, some of them wouldn't start. The, the uh, windshields would shatter. I mean, these are some of the stories we have heard in the past 10, 20 years of UFO sightings, plus the sound of electricity. You see that buzzing sound. So this is, I, I don't want to offend anybody who's Catholic because I'm a Roman Catholic myself, but you have to dig deeper and find out what the truth is. And this is what we have not been told. And I like what uh, the Armada did. She went directly to the source. She went directly to 1917 because this investigation ended in the early 20s, am I correct? And then nobody spoke about it ever again. No, no one. I mean, when when Father Fiera uh, took all the all of his all the documents and and presented them, I believe he went to Lisbon and presented them there. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure he went he went to Lisbon and and presented the documents. And this is something that I wanted to do. Um, I haven't had the money to do it, but he disappears. No one knows what happened to Father Fiera. Did he was he just moved off to South America someplace where he just died of an old age? Did he leave the priesthood? See, we don't know. And he was not there for the miracle of the sun that day. He didn't he didn't see it. But he interviewed all the witnesses. And what I want to know is did Father Fiera keep a private journal, which somebody has. Some family member may still have it and is afraid to come forward with it. Or, you know, who knows? I would just, I would really like to find out what happened to Father Fiera. Because we know that Lucia, the only only daughter, or daughter, the, the only girl, the only seer, let me, get, let me get my facts right here, the only seer that reaches adulthood, at 18 years old, she's hustled off to a convent, given a gag order, and that's when the secrets come out. That's when everything starts to, oh, I was told this and that. But when you go back and you look at the 1917 records, there's nothing about consecrating Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It's just, it's just not there. It's not there. You know, and unless someone's forging documents to look like the original documents for 1917, she never mentions Russia. So those are two, two interesting things. The fact that the father, the, the priest, disappeared. He was probably transferred to another church for all we know. Then we have uh, Lucia, who is the only survivor, because it makes you wonder if the other two would have become priests and a nun as well, because they can control them. Why do you think, obviously, did Lucia feel that she encountered the Virgin Mary, and this is why she uh, embarked on a, you know, uh, uh, not in a profession, but she became a nun for the rest of her life. Well, I mean, it's she's uh, she's a she was a superstar in the Catholic Church. I mean, people venerated her. She was, um, you know, she had audiences with the Pope and and wrote her memoirs and all this other stuff. So she was a superstar uh, in the Catholic Church because you know she saw Mary of the Bible. But in my opinion. First of all, this gets into Catholic theology, which we don't do. We, we never attack Catholic theology in the film. We don't do that. But the idea that Mary was somehow the assumption where she rose and is now 
the queen of heaven or, you know, part of, it's just, it's all made up. There's nothing in the gospels that say it. There's nothing in the New Testament that, that talk about it. None of the church fathers talk about it. And I've, I've researched this. None of the early church fathers talk about it. This doesn't happen until 400 years later. Give me a break. So, you know, Mary more than likely died, and she's not in heaven, and she's not our mother, like, you know, like Catholics want to say. But see, I didn't go there. I could have gone there and attacked all that in the film, but I didn't do that. Instead, what we did do is we pointed out that there was ancient goddess worship, ancient goddess worship all throughout Fatima and, and all throughout Portugal before the Christian era. And when the Christian era came in, look, there was right at, this ancient goddess worship with Mora, this ancient goddess. Her name was Mora. Well, when the, when the Romans came in, it, it changed to the Temple of Diana. And I, I saw the Temple of Diana in Portugal. I filmed there. And, uh, you know, there it is. And Diana is always depicted as a huntress with a short skirt. Isn't that interesting? And by the way, so, the the, yeah. uh, por the uh, Portugal was a Celtic civilization before the Romans came along, right? No, no. I mean, it was it was goddess worship before the Romans came along, and then when the Romans came in, they br basically brought Diana, and and that's what people. You know, people worshipped. But wasn't Portugal Celtic almost like Ireland at one point? It, no, it is now. Right. Not, not, remember, when the Romans came in, this is, this is you know, before Christ. This is before the Christian era. Right. So there's Temple Diana and all this other stuff, and Roman aqueducts. And then there's Knights, and then later on, after that, then come the Knights Templar. I mean, and there are Templar ruins, and we went to some of those ruins, which are absolutely incredible. And then the Catholic Church just blossoms, and it's, you know, 95% or more of the people in Portugal are Catholic. And that's why we don't attack Catholicism or, or what people want to believe. If they think it's Mary of the Bible, then think what you want. But I don't believe it was Mary of the Bible. I think it was an ancient goddess, i.e. fallen angel, posing as a goddess, which happened all throughout antiquity from the Greeks to the Babylonians and or from the Babylonians to the Greeks to the Romans uh, to, to modern day. Uh, nothing, you know, nothing is, 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 it's just the names changed. Aphrodite, you know, Inanna. Venus. I mean, yeah. Venus. It's the same, in my opinion, it's the same entity just going by a different name for a different culture and, and appearing as it has to appear to get worshiped which is exactly what's going on in Portugal. Um, the serpent worship has never ceased. We were told that when we were there. Um, so it's, you know, this, look, something happened. We're not disputing that. Something unbelievable happened. It freaked people out. But people that were gathered in the field, Mel, they had never seen any type of aerial phenomenon at all. No airplanes, no blimps, nothing. In fact, there may have been one airplane in Lisbon, maybe, maybe. So, but 90%, 95% of the people had never seen any aerial phenomenon at all. They've got nothing in their grid system to deal with what they're looking at. They have no idea what they're looking at. And, you know, there's also a fourth witness, which was completely hidden from the public for the most part until Fina de Armada was reading Father Fierra's handwritten testimony from the witnesses. And several weeks before uh, Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta had this encounter with this entity, this woman by the name of Carolina Carrera, who I believe at the time was either 12 or 13 years old, was also a shepherdess tending sheep. And she sees this blonde-haired child, not sure whether it's a male or female, very androgynous-looking, long blonde hair. Well, that doesn't sound like Portugal at all. And this thing communicates the way the other entity did. It communicates telepathically. And it's beckoning her to come, to come. And Caroline is afraid. So she doesn't come. She doesn't go where this entity is. The entity's walking around this one oak tree, right? A holly oak tree. And as Carolina looks around at her sheep, so she's afraid if she leaves the sheep, 
something might happen, then she'll get into trouble. The sheep are like paralyzed. They're not moving. I mean, it's really weird. When she looks back at this child with the blonde hair, uh, it's no longer on the ground. It's floating above the tree. Now, that's supernatural all day long. That's supernatural. And that testimony that is in the 1917 handwritten documents by Carolina Carrera basically went unnoticed. No one talked about it until Fina de Armada found her testimony and went and sought her out, went to Fatima to see if this woman was still alive. And this is back, I think, circa 70-something, maybe in the 80s. And she found her. And we have a picture of her, which we show in the film. And by this time, she's a very old woman. And she relates that story to Fina. So there's something that happens even before the kids, you know, Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta, see this entity. There's all sorts of high strangeness going on in and around this area. I mean, absolutely high strangeness. And as far as the miracle of the sun, in my opinion, it was a UFO phenomenon. It was a harbinger of deception. And the reason why I made the film and I show it um, very clearly, in, at the end of the first film, we show so-called sun miracles that are happening right now all over the world. India, Africa, Egypt, Conyers, Georgia, for crying out loud. And we show the people, you know, looking up at this, at this phenomenon. So we know something is going on, but we also know from Scripture that the dragon will come with all signs and lying wonders. We know that. Do you think so, there's, a, there's a correlation between, and that was incredible, the footage you included at the end of the film. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's a correlation between these events that are happening now and the Fatima event, the, the sun event? Oh, absolutely. I think this is, this is what bothers me about it. And, and I, you know, just because we see some, we show this one picture from 2009, and we show the film where this, this amorphous light object is appearing over a Coptic church in Egypt. And there are four of these entities which are there. There's no mistaking it's real. They're there. They're lighting up the whole place. So, so somebody didn't air. just create a host by putting some lights over the church, of the so Coptic church. The mayor, the mayor of the city turned off all the power to make sure no one was hoaxing. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he did that. And when you watch it, when you watch them disappear, it's like they, they go back, they get sucked into something, and then they just vanish. So there were four amorphous amorphous blobs of light. The large one has this blue, like, like looks like a, a headdress. Like, like Mary would wear, right? Or someone from a biblical time would wear, like a, a head covering that goes down to her waist. And she's holding right next to her is a smaller blob of light, which is supposed to be Jesus, the baby Jesus. So you've got Mary, the baby Jesus, maybe the other blob of light behind Mary is Joseph, and then the fourth blob of light behind that one must be an angel. Now, that's how people, that's what they say it is. Now, when you look at those blobs of light, they are just that. They are amorphous blobs of light. I have no idea what I'm looking at. Does it, does it look female? Yeah, it looks like female. But here's, you got to remember this. And this is what drives me nuts, that Jesus is no longer a baby. And he's not going to ever appear as a baby again. That's not going to happen. He's a king. He's a king. And he's resurrected. He's no longer on the cross. He's resurrected. And he's a king. And that's why this whole thing, it goes back to Nimrod and Semiramis. It goes back to Babylon, to the Tower of Babel. It goes back literally thousands of years to this mother-child goddess worship thing. And, you know, Tammuz. I mean, it just... Take your poison. It goes back forever. And what it does is it usurps the truth, which is ancient pagan religion. And it's manifesting. 
it manifested in 2009 in Conyers, Georgia. And I had a woman, which I found, this testimony, Mel, blew me away. She said she was out in a field in Conyers, Georgia, and she witnessed this so-called miracle of the sun. Right next to her, shoulder to shoulder, is her fiancé. They're both looking up at the same aerial phenomenon, right over their heads, right? She sees a religious figure. He sees a UFO. How is that possible? They're looking at the same event. One person sees one thing. Another person sees something else. And when I heard that, all of a sudden, the eyewitness testimony at Fatima started to make sense. I saw a dull silver disc. I saw a disc that was spinning, giving off different colors. I saw a disc-like object over and over and over and over again, flying hats. I mean, that's, that's what we hear. So the sun did not leave its place in the solar system. People had strange phenomena. Their clothes dried. They had burn marks on their skin when this object flew over the crowd. There was some sort of strange, like, petal-like things. They weren't rose petals. They were something else that fell on the crowd. Car windshields exploded. Gasoline spontaneously combusted. Uh, motor Cars stopped working. I mean, all exactly the same type of phenomenon that we hear about with the UFO encounter. Let's, I mean, let's, let's, let's take this one by one because this is really fascinating. The fact that this craft, if you can call it that way, came above the... There were thousands of people there, and they all got dried. Many people reported they burns. Could be radiation. Who knows what that would have been? But as you said, we have reports of things like these happening lately. Then we have uh, most of the people there are Catholic, so their interpretation, because this is before Roswell and before Correct. they were flying saucer and, and, and UFO became part of the lexicon. But back then, the interpretation would be religious. Oh, flying chariots. Oh, angels. I mean, the, the substance or whatever fell from the sky, they call it angel hair. So it's always a religious connotation. And, and, and this is really problematic. And I want to just tell your listeners that, look, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, all right? I believe in the supernatural. But I also know that there's a lot of deception. And that's what we show at the end of the film, that, those clips of all these different so-called apparitions, they're not Mary of the Bible, in my opinion. They're amorphous blobs of light. And we hear the absolute hysteria of the people who are witnessing this stuff. No one's rebuking first and asking questions later. No, you know, just because something appears like that, I don't know what this thing is. Why should I trust it? And the analogy is, if I knock on your door at 2 o'clock in the morning, you don't let me in. So why are they, why are people clapping their hands and celebrating because they're seeing something supernatural? Yeah. They don't, what's the litmus test between, is this malevolent or benevolent? Is it malevolent? Is it evil or benevolent, <laughs> benevolent or good? And, and, you know, which is it? And unless people know how to test the spirits and, and rebuke first and ask questions later, but no one does that. In any of the clips I show in the film, no one is standing up to this thing and challenging it. Everyone's just blatantly and mindlessly accepting it. And frankly, I take umbrage with that because, uh, you know, this is part of the coming great deception. This hails or ties back into ancient biblical writings from Paul almost 2,000 years ago, which talks about the dragon, i.e. Satan, coming with all signs and lying wonders. This is a lying wonder to me. And yet, this film on Friday will dress this whole thing up and, you know, people will look holy and they'll, they'll show Mary and, and it'll look like Mary, but that's not what the kids saw. And in fact, the statue maker that was commissioned to make a replica of, of what this entity looked like took his replica from another statue of Mary. So we don't, you know, I mean, the deeper you go, the more alarming it becomes. But I can also understand you are in Portugal, where the majority of, of the population is Catholic. If you go against what they have been told, 
for over a hundred years. It's yeah. very difficult to get that out and to question the events of 1917. But let's just, a, a couple of things, correct me if I'm wrong, but there were certain intervals. This didn't start October, what is it, 13th, what is it? Yeah, 13th, 1917. It started in May 13th, and for six consecutive months, the operations would happen at the same time, the same day of the following month. Am I right? Correct. May 13th, June 13th, July 13th, August 13th, September 13th, culminating on October 13th with the so-called miracle of the sun. So why don't we hear more about the other apparitions that happened before that, the previous months, Phot photographers, uh, more witness testimony, and we only hear about the last one? Yeah, because the last one was the kicker. The last one is when the children in September asked the lady, the entity, for a sign. And the entity said, there will be a sign next month on the 13th. And so that's why 70,000 people congregated at that site waiting for something you know we show the pictures and it's fascinating mel because you can see when you really start to study the pictures that the expressions on people's faces are all over the map mm -hmm. all over the map some look in fear some bewilderment some in awe some in reverence um some in perplexity some you you can see that there's Uh, there's this like acceptance of what they're looking at. Some others look, look like they're in some sort of religious ecstasy. It's all over the map. It's all over the map. And so we're not the, we're not debating at all in any way that something didn't happen. It's just like I'm going to throw you a curveball. It's just like my study on the Shroud of Turin. Well, that to me is the real deal. So people go, oh, you're just bashing Catholics. Well, not so fast, citizen. Why is it that I, I'm a student of the Shroud, an, am an amateur uh, syndonologist, one who studies the Shroud? I've been fascinated ever since I became born again and spirit-filled 40 years ago. I believe it is the burial cloth, uh, cloth of Jesus. I believe it's authentic. I believe it shows the wounds of a crucified man, brutally scourged and whose beard was partially torn out, who wore a helmet of thorns. And the, the, the depiction on the Shroud of Turin is absolutely forensically accurate. And they have no idea of how that image was put on the cloth. And as far as the forgery, it was proven fairly recently that uh, it's not a 14th century forgery because... When they took the samples for carbon-14 dating, they only took them from one corner of the shroud where they were not supposed to take them. They were supposed to take multiple samples from different parts of the shroud. They didn't do that. These guys in suits came in and shut the whole thing down and then said, nope, you take it from this one corner. Well, the corner that they took it from showed uh, that, that the, uh, the shroud had what is called invisible weaving. The shroud was partially destroyed, the cloth was destroyed in a 15th century fire. So the poor sisters of Claire got together and practiced something called end-to-end -end splicing, which is in itself unbelievable. Another name for it is invisible weaving. And they created the, um, the patches, they repaired the shroud. So when they took samples from that, they took it from the 15th century reweave invisible weaving, which completely skewed the carbon-14 dating. So since then, that's been redacted. People realize that, wait a minute, something's going on. So, you know, if any of those listeners are out there thinking, and I'm trying to bash on the supernatural or any of this stuff, I'm not. I'm, I'm a firm believer that the Shroud of Turin, I call it the calling card of God. And that's what I think it is. So when it comes to this event, those six times— The first month, second month, third month, the three children were, correct me if I'm wrong again, they were just seen praying. A few people looking, and then the crowds would get bigger, bigger, until the end when they said a signal will be given to us, and that's when everybody congregated in that area. Am I right? Correct. Okay. So two of the children died. This is in the middle of World War I, right? 
Yeah, and this is this is the deal, and this is what this is why we don't hear anything about Russia, right? And then Lucia is grabbed um, when she's eighteen, and then she's hustled off to a convent. So this is eleven years later, after the apparitions, and this is when we hear that the entity has asked that Russia would be consecrated to Mary's Sacred Heart. But that's not in the 1917 handwritten records. And the reason why this is happening is the Catholic Church is terrified that Stalin and the crew is going to come down and take over Italy and throw the Pope out. And in fact, all of Europe was terrified of the Bolsheviks, which is why Hitler rose to power. Because, he, you know, he basically pointed and said, do you want communism? And everything was always a communist fault. I mean, when he burned the Reichstag, he blamed it on the communists. So it was the communists and the Jews that Hitler constantly went up against. <clears throat> so I find it interesting that all this about consecrating Russia to Mary's sacred heart. I mean, first of all, Mary would never do that. It would be consecrated to Jesus, not Mary. But everything is twisted. And people, if you want to believe that, folks, believe it. I don't. In my opinion, it was a UFO event and that the stuff that Lucia, including the, the third secret of Fatima and all this stuff, is a construct which happens decades later. Decades later. It's not in the original 1917 handwritten documents. It's interesting that you mentioned the Reichstag fire because the Reichstag fire... We get 9-11 here. Immediately after Reichstag fired, this is quick parenthesis, like I said. He had the Enabling Act. We had the Patriot Act. Bingo. So, you know, history repeats itself in so many ways. Look, and let me, let me just digress here. This is, this is the second level. And the reason why I find it so alarming, I was at the uh, um, Denver International Airport a couple of weeks ago. I did a, a show with George Norrie on Gaia, Beyond Belief, which should be aired, oh, maybe in a month or so, on Gaia TV. And it was a real honor to be there. But, uh, you know, they, they film in Boulder. That's where Gaia is located. And uh, so I, I flew into Denver. So my driver takes me to Denver Airport, and I'm looking at this enormous hall. And hundreds and hundreds of people are forming lines and they're all going through TSA, and they all have masks. And it just I just sat there stunned and looked at this and go, we're being herded like animals. So first they take our First Amendment rights away. They, uh, they, they were allowed to search our bags, our belongings, pat us down, and we all just submit to it like a bunch of sheep. Okay. Now they tell us we have to wear masks because of COVID-19. Meanwhile... There's absolutely no scientific proof of the efficacy of wearing a mask as far as keeping COVID-19 at bay. And where are the biohazard containers? If this is a contagious, you see them in parks, you see them on the streets, they're all over the place. Where are the biohazard containers for these masks? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if, 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 it's, if this thing is so deadly, look, a friend of mine, I think, just came down with it. And I told him, I said... If your doctor's not going to put you on hydroxychloroquine and, you know, he's, he's getting a test today and he's not, he's, he said, I feel like I hit, got hit by a Mack truck. I'm wearing a fever. I said, sounds like it. So his wife went out and got Schweppes tonic water and zinc. Now, I'm not a doctor. Quinine. But those things you can buy right over the counter at any health store and you can buy Schweppes tonic water. Schweppes tonic water has quinine in it, which is what hydro, hydroxychloroquine right. is, is made from, from quinine. And he's been drinking that and taking zinc. And I said, you know, guzzle that stuff. Guzzle it. And so I'm going to call him right after this interview and see how he's doing. But we've had doctors on my show uh, talking about the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine with a regimen of, of zinc and erythromycin. And, you know, Fauci and, and Dr. Burks, why are, they, why are they protesting against this? Because they're working for big pharma. Exactly. Bill exactly. Gates Foundation. I mean, exactly. come on. It's all exactly. problem, problem, reaction, solution. You create a problem, then 
you exacerbate the problem by bringing the media. And then the Gates Foundation and the CDC, which is a private institution with several patents for, and I don't mean to digress from the main topic, but since you brought it up, you know, they have several patents and they're ready to make billions of dollars. And Fauci months ago said, no, hydroxychloroquine, all we get is anecdotal evidence. We need peer-reviewed reports. Yet they want to bring a fast track a vaccine and there are no safety studies, nor do they plan to study them because the Supreme Court already ruled that vaccine manufacturers do not have to have any safety studies, and they are completely exempt from legal uh, from lawsuits and so on. So if you have a 99.9% of survival, would you take a vaccine if there's an 8% chance of death? Well, I, I certainly wouldn't do it, uh, number one, because we've heard that there's fetal tissue being used from abortions being used in these things. And there's no way I'm going to take that. Um, and I know, I know people who listen to my show and follow me, and we've, we've been following this thing like white on rice. There's no way anybody's going to take, no one that I know is going to take this goofy vaccine. And you're right. And, and this is fast track. This is a classic Hegelian dialectic. Yes. You just laid it out. Create the problem, exacerbate the problem. Oh, now we've got the solution. It's, it's just, it's another look folks. If you think Mel and I are goofy, I dare you, I dare you, after this show is over, to Google 9-11 Building 7. Just Google <laughs> Building 7 right. and watch that thing fall at free fall speed, wasn't hit by a plane. And NIST uh, was the first, was the agency that stated, this is the first steel building in modern history to fall like this, to collapse from a fire. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Isn't that convenient? It was an inside job all day long. Loose change, inside job. And what did we get? Just like, you're, you're right, Mel. I mean, and the American people, uh, this is why I'm voting for Donald Trump the first time, and I will vote for him the second time. He's the only president that's standing up against the deep state. And there is a deep state. There is a shadow government. Make no mistake about it. It's real. It's there. And it has one goal, to basically enslave every American person. Oh, really? The, oh, L.A., you're just making this up. Oh, really? So we've got Patriot Act, and then you've got, you got the mass thing, and you've got Biden selling, saying on the record that, well, you know, I'm going to mandate, you know, mandatory mass for the next three months if I'm elected president. Oh, really? And so when will that ever end? When, when do we ever get back to normal? And masks create more of a problem. I mean, I was just at Lowe's in California here. And everybody's walking around. You just want to scream. I just want to scream. Why are you people a bunch of lemmings? What's wrong with you? It's What's the humanizing. It's really dehumanizing. And that's exactly it, what they're trying to do. Right now, I'm looking, for example, about a month and a half ago, Arizona was the epicenter of the world. We were the Italy <laughs> about a month and a half ago because our cases supposedly skyrocketed. Now, in the past couple of days, zero deaths in hospitals almost hardly any hospitalizations, yet they still want the fear alive by having everybody wear the face diaper. Yeah, and they keep, and you're right, they keep moving the goalposts. You know, well, we just have to flatten the curve. Flatten well, the curve, right. Well, you need to get a vaccine. Well, and it did, they just make stuff up as they go along. And, you know, it's really interesting. We had a woman on our show, Caroline Graves, who way back in March called this thing. She's a medical doctor. She called it the COVID coup. And then she gave me a tip on this epidemiologist, Dr. Reich, who now is making the rounds and basically tearing Fauci apart. And this guy, you know, can can go toe to toe with Dr. Fauci. I call him Dr. Fiasco because it created the biggest fiasco that we, and we didn't need to go there. And he's basically Reich. Dr. Reich is saying exactly the opposite of what Dr. Fiasco, Dr. Fauci is saying. I also find it interesting that you know, he's not able to speak because of the operation on his on his throat and his polyps, which I don't wish on anybody. But I find it really interesting. And all of a sudden, you know, Fauci has been sort of silenced, at least on some on some level. But I would pay I would pay good money to see a real debate between Fauci and Dr. Reich, because I think Reich is telling the truth. And I think Fauci's in bed. And this is the perfect Hegelian dialectic. But we're we're so far off topic, but it's good. You know, well, well, one last thing before we get back to topic. You mentioned Dr. Fauci. 
he has been in bed for a very long time since the 80s, if you want me to say more or less, during the AIDS epidemic. And look at the work of Dr. Mikovits. And she said it all. And look at all her videos being banned and censored from everywhere. And Bill Gates, he's not a medical practitioner, but there's plenty of footage and pictures of him administering vaccines to people in India. He's not a doctor. How is he doing that? Why isn't Facebook saying, oh, we have to remove this? You know, practicing medicine without a license? Yet you get all these doctors in Texas talking about how hydroxychloroquine is the answer. Right. And they're all censored. Many of them threatened with their license being revoked, their practices being shut down. We are living in an un, un, in a bizarre world here. Yeah, I, Mel, you're right. I mean, Dr. Gold, one of the white coats, was fired from yes, a Yes, yes. Well, it's, it's, it's just, this is draconian. This is something that would happen in the former Soviet Union. How dare you stand up? So obviously there's something going on here. When medical professionals like Dr. Rush, like Dr. Gold, like Dr. Graves, and others who are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, what are we doing here? Why are we listening to this one idiot, what, this one goon, you know, who's completely taken over this country with an agenda? And, it, and in my opinion, it's a, look, when, when this thing broke in March and they were telling us, oh, this virus jumped species from the Wuhan wet market, and they were showing pictures of the Wuhan wet market, I'm going, oh, my gosh, this is the classic wag the dog. Meanwhile, 20 miles away is a level four bio lab in China. I said, where were the Chinese relate? And you can go back and look at look at my PPS report from them. Whether the Chicoms released it deliberately or whether it was an accident is beside the point. This has nothing to do with the wet market. The wet market is the wag the dog. And now we all know that that's true. Oh, well, you know, I guess we lied once again, but that's what we do in the mainstream media. Just like we do in with little Sandman, you know, the, the privileged white punk, uh, you know, he, he baited that Native American guy, right? Oh, yes, he, yes. that smirk on his face. Oh, oh, wait, let's watch the other 20 seconds of film where the Native American guy deliberately walks across the plaza and beats the drum in Sandman's face. Oh, really? Isn't that interesting? And so that's, I mean, that's what we're seeing even with George Floyd. It's the same thing. It's like he had enough fentanyl in his system to kill him. He was probably ODing on the fentanyl when he was saying, as he was standing up, he was not on the ground yet, he's standing up and he's yelling, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. I heard today that uh, his lungs were so heavy from the fentanyl, fentanyl that uh, they weighed two to four times the normal person. Bingo. But, you know, right now, Kenosha, I, mean, I don't mean to deviate, we'll come, we'll come back, I promise, but Kenosha is in Kentucky. Uh, yesterday, a lady eating, dining at a restaurant, got 50 of these BLM and Antifa thugs just threatening her. You raise your fist or we're going to beat you up. When is the bear going to wake up? They're poking the bear. And one of these days, people are not going to take it anymore. More. And this is happening in places where you cannot, they have gun restrictions. Try doing that in Arizona, a permissive open carry state. Good luck. And that's, you see, Mel, that's what I'm afraid of. And I talk about that on my show on a daily basis. We are headed towards martial law, civil war. I mean, we're already looking at total anarchy and lawlessness in Kenosha, Kenosha in, in Portland, in Seattle. And now it's spreading into other cities. And, you know, people need to wake up and begin to push back, literally push back. And the problem is, you know, it, it can escalate very quickly. And I'm alarmed at that. But that's what the radical left want. They want to create this chaos and so they can bring in their, their solution. You know, create the problem. You know, it's again, it's a classic Hegelian dialectic. That's what we're looking at. By the way, I said uh, Kentucky, Wisconsin, Kenosha, Wisconsin. But also, this comes from 2013, the National Defense Authorization Act, when they, when Obama upgraded the Smith-Mont Act. He changed it so that we could actually have the media lie to us in the United States here. The Smith-Mont Act, I've said this before many times, it's been around for decades, but it was so that we could just issue propaganda to the rest of the world, not in the United States. But in 2013, it changed here. What did we get immediately? All these school shootings, shootings left and right. And now the media just lies, lies, and lies. And they're authorized legally to do so, L.A. 
it's uh, it's a sad state of affairs. And folks, if you're hearing what we're saying, we got another four years with Donald Trump. He's trying to clean it up, and I just pray to God that Durham uh, really goes for it and starts indicting before the election, before September 4th, because after September 4th, he can't do anything. And it sure looks that, the, oh, he basically threw everybody a bone with Kleinsmith, and then, of course, the deep state pushed back and uh, arrested Stephen Bannon. That was pushed back, in my opinion. And, you know, once again, this is how this, this game is played. The rot in Washington, the rot of the deep state, it's cancerous. It's leprous. It's leprous, folks. It really is. And this is why we need term limits. And it should be an executive order where the people should just rise up and say, you know, what is what is Joe Biden doing 47 years in government? And what has he accomplished? What has he done for the American people? Not much, but he sure as heck padded the his family's coffers, and that's a matter of historical record. Same thing with Obama. What did Obama? I've got a, a clip from a, a man that sends me intel. It's not classified stuff, but he sends me intel, stuff that's off the beaten path. And he said that Obama was in Saudi Arabia. And uh, the Saudis said, you know, that deal that you made with Iran, that's going to hurt us. And we don't want to be hurt. Please leave. And Obama left. So that's not talked about. And the reason for that is, is that the Iran, Iranians are Shia Muslims, and the Saudis are Sunni. Sunni, right. And, and that gets into the whole 1,300-year split between Islam, each trying to control who, who will be the domineering force. Right now it's Sunni. They, they outnumber at least three to one. And they also control the holy sites of Mecca and Medina in Islam. But they also look at the Shia Crescent, and they're terrified. This is why the United uh, Arab Emirates last week signed that peace deal with Israel. Who should get the Nobel Peace Prize? Who do you think should get the Nobel Peace Prize? <laughs> and Obama got the peace, the, the Nobel Peace Prize it, before he was nominated before he became president. Exactly. For what? Yeah, for nothing. Absolutely nothing. You see, I hate to get into politics because I've always said that I'm a centrist. But in the last three, four years, I can no longer stay idle. Because, as I said, I'm a fervent anti-communist because my parents escaped that philosophy. And it's coming, folks. It's coming. It's deadly. This is what we're seeing in Portland, what we're seeing in Washington, in Wisconsin, in New York, in Illinois. And what we're seeing, these little dictators coming along. Yeah. And I'm so surprised that people support that ideology. Even after 150 million people died last century. You know what we should do, L.A.? We should create a GoFundMe. To get all these people to choose their communist country of choice, send them there for a year, then yep. come back and talk to us. See where exactly. they stand. Then, I mean, this is this is the the problem. You've got you've got uh, you know leftists in college positions. So these kids go to university and they're indoctrinated. They're not right. taught. They're indoctrinated, and they, there's no critical thinking. And you look at some of these YouTube channels with these goopy girls or goopy guys talking about comrade this and comrade that, you know, you're right, 150 million people between China and, and, and the former Soviet Union, the gulags. And what they don't understand, they're the first people that are going to get lined up against the wall and shot. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the way it works, folks. That's the way it works. And it doesn't work. It's a godless system. And this is the deal. If you're a communist or you believe in that ideology, then your rights come from the state. And the state and the government is going to tell you what you can, cannot do. In America, with the Constitution, our rights are given to us by God, and they are inalienable. They are they are given to us by our Creator, and that's and that was that document is it's precious. It's absolutely precious. Government doesn't give me the rights; it, they're God given. The pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's. Those are God-given, not by the government. The government doesn't give me those things. And that's why we've got the First Amendment and the Second Amendment uh, in the Constitution. But the left is trying to tear all that down. But you know what? I think, Mel, I think people are starting to stand up, push back. I hope so. I think they are. Even Black Lives Matter. I hear that a lot of people supported that movement at the beginning. 
And, but no longer, the, they can no longer do so. No, no. And all these countries, all these communist countries, how come they're the ones escaping to the United States? And we never yeah. see any people from here escape to those countries. We have to take a, a one and only break, but I want to bring one subject and I'll get you answer when we come back. A couple of things. Could it be that many, many years ago, eons ago, this planet was a matriarchal society? And then when things change, when the Romans came and Christianity came along, we get all these phallic symbols, the obelisks all over the world, almost to say, we are here, we are the ones, we are the, the ones who are dominating this world now. But I hate to even delve into this topic because one wrong pronoun these days gets you attacked by the cancel culture, LA. So let me craft my question as best as I can. So you're telling me that ancient civilizations switched from female to male or male to female in more than one occasion, a transitioned where these so-called goddesses, you know, Athena, Aphrodite, and some of the rest one, transgender entities where sometimes they were male and female. Are we witnessing that today with the transgender movement? And is this even connected to what we're discussing? Well, the short answer to that is absolutely yes. Um, and, and we know this. Derek Gilbert came in on the film on Fatima One, and Derek has really spent a lot of time studying these ancient goddesses, Inanna, Aphrodite, uh, Venus, I mean, all, the, all these things, Diana. And some of these ancient goddesses had the ability to be male or female. And this is why, in my opinion, they are fallen angels that are manifesting like this. Um, the Greek word that I learned from my good friend Russ Dizdar is metaschizmatosai. They have the ability to, to shapeshift into pretty much anything that they want. Uh, the biblical narrative states that Satan, the dragon, can appear as an angel of light. Hello. So going back to the apparitions and all this stuff, right? And this is why uh, we're told to test the spirits. And if we don't know how to test the spirits, then we're, we're at their mercy. We don't know. But the, isn't it interesting that transgenderism has become incredibly popular. And what I mean by that is this is less than, than I think it's like a half a percent of the entire population. And yet, out of all the things that Obama could have done in the last couple of years of his presidency, he focuses on transgender bathrooms. I mean, that really makes you wonder, what's, where, where is this guy really? What does he really think? That he's got a with all the nonsense going on in America, he focuses on transgender bathrooms. Are you kidding me? And, and the problem with transgenderism, for those of you who are listening that are thinking about switching or trying to switch, the DNA will never lie. You can take all the male hormones if you're a woman or all the female hormones if you're a man, and you can go to a chop shop and get parties rearranged and remove parts and add parts and all this other stuff. But your DNA will always tell tell you that you're exactly the sex that you were born with. If you were born a girl, or then that's what you are. You're, you're a girl. You're a woman. If you were born a boy, then you're a male. You're, you're you know you're a man. You're, you're a male. That's never ever going to change. So even though we have transgender models now that are modeling Victoria's Secret and other things like this, and some of them are just beautiful. I mean, I get that. You know, you look at some of these things, and, and they're everywhere. I mean, you see them on the Gateway Pundit, on Fox News. I mean, they're everywhere. And you look at them, and you just kind of go, wow, that, that's a guy, really? Because they pump them with hormones and all this other stuff at an early age. Well, this is, I got to tell you, folks, this is another sign of the end, in my opinion. This is lawlessness. This, and, and I think it's, there's a guy that we met um, at one of the conferences his name is David Arthur. And if any of you are thinking about you know, transitioning or whatever, I challenge you to Google David Arthur. And his, I think his website is IBelongAmen.com. IBelongAmen.com. This guy, from a very young age, um, started dressing like a girl. And then as he became older, he took hormones and he basically lived as a woman for years, literally for years. I mean, he looked like like a woman. He had breasts, the whole deal, right? And uh, he performed a lot of illicit sexual acts. 
and I'm not, I'm not spreading rumor. This is his testimony. He's dying of AIDS. He is dying of AIDS, all right? He's basically on his deathbed with like a month to live. He's got 104 fever, which won't go away. He's got boils all over his body, and the blood counts are through the roof. He's gonna die of AIDS. And the one thing he knows is, if there is a God, he doesn't wanna to go to hell. So we start reading the Bible, and, th and this is a true story. I'm not making this stuff up. And a couple of weeks later, he, you know, he gives his life to Jesus. And a couple of weeks after that, he, in, order, in order for him to go to the bathroom, he used to use a walker just to go 15 feet to the bathroom in his room, right? So a couple of weeks after he's received the Lord, uh, he doesn't need the walker. And his skin is clearing up. And he goes and he gets a blood test and they can't find any, any AIDS virus in him at all. Wow. Out there. And he's totally healthy. Obviously he's living as a man and he reaches out to people with transgender issues. Again, the site is ibelong.com. No, ibelongamen.com. ibelongamen.com. If that's not it for some reason, then just Google David Arthur two first. Oh, I've heard, I've heard his story. Yes. Yes, great story. Mel, can we take a short break? Two minutes. Oh, hold on. I, I thought I, I was talking and I was on mute. One second about this. I've heard that story. I said it before. I don't mind if people want to transition. That's their life. But when they demand that the taxpayer has to pay for that transition, I have a problem with that. But anyway, we have to take our one and only break. Ellie, how can people learn more about your work? Watch your your DVDs and, and videos and books. A couple of ways to do it. If you want hard copy of everything, go to lamarzuli.net. Hard copy DVDs, obviously books. lamarzuli.net, lamarzuli.net. If you want to stream them, and it's very, very cheap, instant gratification. You can stream Fatima 1 and Fatima 2. And we've just scratched the surface on what those films talk about. And the people that we interviewed was just incredible stuff. And what we show in the film is revealing. But you can go to streaming, like a stream, streaming.lamarzuli.net. Streaming.lamarzuli.net. Wonderful. Folks, don't go anywhere. I'm here with L.A. Marzuli and much more when we return. We're going to talk the Nephilim, Axis Mundi, our story, our hidden history. This is Mel Hasselrick, and you are listening to Veritas. See you in the member section. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe, to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. You want to know. <laughs>